0: This is KDPI, 89.3 FM. Catch him.
1: Good morning. This is Ellie Newman with It's Relationship. My guest today is Mike Scullion. He's making me a little nervous because he's walking all around the room. He's not my typical guest. He's getting (laughs) water. He's looking for things. Um, He is the heart and soul behind KDPI. He is why I'm sitting here talking into this microphone and why you are listening to us. Um, So we are going to spend the next hour... Uh, learning what it is about radio music and this valley that makes his relationship with this station and the community run so deep. So welcome, Mike. He's now in his chair.
0: Thank you, Ellie. You know, I know, with, I know we have five <laughs> seconds to get in the chair.
1: I remember that when I first started. You're like, oh, you have twenty seconds. I'm like, what are you people insane? But now it turns out on radio, twenty seconds <laughs> is cent- it's a long time. It's an eternity. It is. It can do a lot. It's, it's a good um, new view on life, new perspective. <laughs> So I want to start with uh, the station. You started a radio station, which we are now sitting in. Um, Why?
0: You know, Al, I'm a music freak, and I just felt like there was a a pretty big void in the Wood River Valley in terms of being introduced to new music and experiencing new music uh, regardless of the genre. And uh, I thought the only way to do it was to make some changes to what people were hearing on the radio and uh, that meant starting a station
1: and and when did the idea yeah. develop do you remember was it an aha oh i think i need to start a radio station or was it something that had sort of been simmering for years and decades
0: yeah you know it, 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 it's a little bit of both there was, it has been it had been simmering i've i came here first in 1991 And, you know, I'd been here for nine years and I left the Valley. I actually did a little volunteer show on the commercial station here in the Valley. And once that finished and I was here, I left in 1999 and I was back in my hometown of Philadelphia. And I saw a newspaper article which was about a group of people called the Prometheus Radio Project. And they are the people who, who pioneered the legalization of low-powered radio or non-commercial radio
1: so so prior to that was it pirate radio is that what pirate radio means when it's not legal somehow people are just getting on a a finding a station and and a signal and pirating it
0: exactly it's you know fcc sanctioning um and people i mean you can get the equipment to broadcast whatever you want but in order to be sanctioned by the FCC, you have to be recognized. And
1: were people doing that in those days? I mean, were they opening up garages or, you know, small shops like ours and starting a station and then getting discovered and shut down by the FCC? Was oh, that happening? Course, Was yeah. it prolific?
0: Uh, yes, absolutely. The FCC had a division that did nothing but try and find these people.
1: And were you, Were you? did you participate in that at all? I have did ever been?
0: participate in that. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, I never thought. Sounds kind of fun. It does sound kind of fun. But um, and, and I think when they do catch you, they don't necessarily, you know, put the full effect, full weight of their organization on top of you right away. You know, they'll give you a couple of warnings or a couple of chances to sh- turn your signal off or, you know, go through the necessary channels uh, to make it legal. and going through the necessary channels to make it legal is no easy process
1: there's a lot of hoops but it wasn't like yeah. prohibition they're not coming in raiding you putting you in chains and exactly. you down no, to the station. no,
0: no, they're not bashing the equipment right in front of you and saying you're okay you're, so, done. you're going to jail so
1: so i interrupted so this was the time of pirate radio but now it was changing and they were starting to sanction smaller community yeah, stations
0: yeah and i left philadelphia and there was an article in the local newspaper in philadelphia about this prometheus radio group and i thought boy you know that this uh it was a lot of fun doing the radio in the valley and i wonder if there's a chance that i could possibly start a non-commercial community radio in the wood river valley when i got back here because i knew i was coming back uh not necessarily when but it was just a question of you know how am i going to get there and what's what's it going to take to to get something like this started
1: and at that point what was appealing to you with the the idea of starting a station
0: just the fact that i knew when i came back nothing would have changed there was no nothing in the air when i left that said anything was going to be different and i stayed in touch with some friends in the valley and kept asking them you know is anybody starting a new station or is there what's going on with the music scene and and it was always just yeah it's the, you know pretty much the same as when you left
1: so how did it feel when you were working at the commercial station here and the first time you sat in this chair, which and I know I'm sitting in your chair, and you put put on this headphones? What was that like?
0: It's a little terrifying at first. You don't know who's out there. You don't know who's listening, and you hope that what you do is pleasing. You know, you hope that, that people enjoy what you're playing, and certainly there's the chance that they don't. And, you know, that's why you have options on the dial. If you don't like what you hear, you can always check out what else is going on.
1: And what were you um, doing in that chair at that point? How, how old were you? What was going on in your life? What, what were you? Well, what was your was your, your show all about?
0: Yeah. Well, I was. You know, I was working at the mint. I worked down at the mint and up here at the the lounge that Bruce Willis opened uh, in Catchem, and then I moved down and worked at the mint. And we were in a meeting there one day, and you know the topic came up that one of a couple of bands were coming. And somebody said, who wants to go over to the radio station and talk about, you know, the music? And everybody else kind of shied away from it. And I thought, why is everybody shying away? I'll I'll do that. I'll gladly go over there. So I went over to uh, K-Ski, and I was with uh, Ron Harrison, and uh, I can't remember the gal's name who was there. Uh, But we just, you know, it was just talking about music. And I had a lot of fun. So that kind of became part of my job, was to go talk about the bands that were coming to the Mint and one day i think ron just said you're really comfortable on the microphone and you know what you're talking about when it comes to most music why don't you think about doing a show and i thought there's no way i could handle doing an entire show you know and uh, the more i thought about it the more i thought well why not you know so the, the station was kind enough to give me a little volunteer a couple of hours on friday night and it was uh not paid but you know i just had a blast doing it take my music in there and play you know, within reason, whatever I wanted.
1: And was there a theme? Was there a certain kind of music you were playing at the time?
0: I would just I would just call it a progressive radio show. You know, it was new music and music that people hadn't heard from, uh, you know, well-known bands. But it was, you know, tracks 7, 8, 9, and 10 on the albums that you wouldn't hear on commercial radio.
1: Did that lead you to learn more about these bands and the, the music uh, world at the time and what was going on with industry?
0: That was a big part of my finding out more about the bands because I fa- found myself behind a microphone thinking, what am I going to say? Oh, what am I going to say? And so I would uh, do some studying, you know, read all the CD jackets and you didn't have you know, the internet the way you have it now. So I would just have to go in depth to read who produced what album and... You know, who were the guest musicians on this particular disc and, and things of that nature. And that's a lot of fun.
1: And and so did you love it? Were you sitting in the chair thinking, yeah, this, this is where I'm meant to be. This is my throne.
0: I don't know if I felt like this is where I was meant to be, but I know that I liked it. You know, and I thought, boy, if I can ever make a living doing this, this would be an absolute blast. And that was kind of where I first thought about it.
1: And then you you left the valley after that stint.
0: I did. I left the valley. I went back to Philadelphia for a little while. That's where I saw that newspaper article. And I went and invited the gentleman there. He names himself Petri Petri Dish (laughs) for what he's done for the non-commercial station. And I took him to lunch and told him about the Wood River Valley and the geographical specifications and line of sight right to the top of the mountain where the antennas are and all these technical some technical things and we just he said it sounds like a no-brainer you know it sounds like the perfect place
1: and was he encouraging
0: he was encouraging and he he said but you you have to be prepared there's a lot of work to do when you do this
1: so you've got the station kdpi uh where did that name come from
0: KDPI, boy, there were, you know, when I was thinking about what to call the station, you what you do is you go to the FCC site, and whatever you want, whatever four letters you decide that you're going to call the station, you put them into this search, uh, uh, what do you call it, a search engine, search you know, in the FCC site. And they'll tell you whether it's taken. And, I mean, the letters, the call letters, every single cargo ship, every single naval ship, all kinds of trucking uh, things have, all have call letters, you know, and uh, I must have gone through 30 or 40 different sets of four-letter names and all taken by one thing or another. And then I was laying in bed one night, and, uh, you know, my ultimate dream is to start a performance space that has a glass wall with the radio station on the other side. And I thought, well, what do I want to call that? And I thought I wanted to call that the do-drop-in. And I was lying in bed and I said, well, maybe drop in would work for the radio station because then people from the community can drop in and you can create some interesting marketing pieces with mountain bikers dropping in and skiers dropping in and snowboarders dropping in off of into their runs and things of that nature. And I thought, all right, well, let me start doing that. And. I did every configuration of drop-in I could think of, and I finally got to KDPI, and it had been uh, assigned to a naval freighter that was decommissioned in 1941. So I thought, well, let me see what I can do here, so I had to call the U.S. Navy and find out if they would release the property of these uh, call letters, and they said, sure enough, you know, so I... uh, So
1: how was it calling the U.S. Navy? Are they helpful and friendly?
0: Surprisingly enough, yes, they are. You just have to, it's just a question of finding the right person in the right department, and that wasn't too difficult, you know, you go into their communications uh, department, and uh, the first person you speak to will usually know who you have to speak to about something like that. And I think
1: they'd be pretty efficient.
0: Exactly. You know, she they, they were actually so nice that the gal called me the morning of and said, okay, at 11 a.m., those letters are going to be free. So I sat by the phone for the next half an hour, you know, thinking somebody's going to get these.
1: Which you might have had practice at buying concert tickets. Okay, the oh, tickets yeah. go on sale in 30 seconds. It'd be some. sold out in another minute. <laughs> exactly. So you were skilled at this. It's good. I Your was. skills came in useful.
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah.
1: So you had those five minutes and?
0: And, uh, you know, there they were okay you have the call letters kdpi so that was uh i don't know if that was before it had to be it had to have been before the application process that's what i was gonna ask, I was gonna to ask if letters. that was
1: the moment that it made it real
0: no, no the moment that made it real was writing a check you know i'd been thinking about this for a long time and all of a sudden in order to fill out the application the application to the fcc is very technical so you need uh an attorney who speaks lawyer for the FCC, and you also need the help of a a radio engineer, a technical engineer, to fill out the second uh, side of it. And and neither of those professions come cheaply. So writing a check to the two of those guys was the jumping-off point. That's when I was on the edge of the cliff and said, all right, I have, this is going to be real
1: did, did you debate did you stand on that cliff for a while or did you say no'm I'm, I'm jumping
0: you know I think I had thought about it for so long that I was I was going to jump one way or the other
1: so you've jumped I we're jumped. here you have a radio show every morning during the week yeah. called better than the alarm clock yes and uh, can you tell us a little bit about that
0: sure I try you know that's a a, a show that's three hours long and I try and introduce people to a lot of Music that they may not have heard before or music from bands that they know well um, that may be deeper into the discs or the albums, in fact, for some of them that uh, they they don't get to hear very often. And and, uh, live tracks and things of that nature and acoustic music. So I use the first hour to kind of help people wake up without banging their head around too hard.
1: And what's the easiest part about the show for you?
0: I think the easiest part's probably picking the music. <laughs> and
1: what's the hardest part?
0: The hardest part is sometimes trying to say things that I haven't said before, and that's that happens a lot. I mean, I, I do repeat myself because uh, I want people to know about the station, and we're trying to create awareness for the station. So I'm always saying the call letters and non-commercial community radio that's listener-supported, and and things like that because i think a lot of the people and a lot of people in the community haven't even been exposed to non-commercial radio you know they're so used to what they've heard in the valley if they grew up here they definitely don't know what community radio is um, anybody from san francisco or los angeles uh anybody who has ever been to a university that has their own station that's all that's non-commercial radio But there are some big stations in some of the bigger markets, KCRW in Los Angeles and WXPN in Philadelphia, that cover a huge market. You know, I mean, Los Angeles, what, 12 million people? Uh, And they go, you know, they probably have six or seven repeaters out there. So they cover the entire basin, if not all of Southern California.
1: It's it's interesting. So I ask you what's the hardest part, and I was thinking about what, what you're saying, you know, doing something new, saying something new. And I've noticed just this being a completely new endeavor for me, that the hardest parts are also usually... And the new parts, the most enlivening. You oh. know, you're scared to death, <laughs> but then it's what's the mo- really exciting and what kind of spurs you on to try more new things and do more.
0: Absolutely, and and I mean, you have to be a little bit familiar with the computer. You know what? You know, every every day we come across something on the computer is kind of like, how do I do this? And if I do it wrong, will I zap the entire oh, software th- program? there's a lot out of, of technology.
1: Existence? And was that the case when you were at um, Keski?
0: No, not at all. That we were still on CD to CD and spinning vinyl, and and uh, you know it was considerably less taxing for me, only because that's the way it was, and I was familiar with those things
1: and are you a music purist does this does the technology take away from sort of throwing an album on or a cd and playing it or is it just just different
0: not for me because uh you know i I like to listen to music at all times of the day and there are so many ways that you can do that you know with smartphones and uh you know your ipod or your ipad or your computer you can be on Line and listen to anything at any time. I mean, I'm very happy with that because you can find a lot of new music that way. The it, problem with it is that there's so much new music out there that you have a hard time keeping up with
1: it. It's accessible, but it can be overwhelming. It, can, it you know, is so overwhelming. So much.
0: It is overwhelming. And
1: so uh you had left and you came back with the idea of starting the station. Um, what brought you back to Ketchum, and why Why do you stay? What is it about Ketchum oh, it's or, the, or the valley, not, it's not just Ketchum, of course?
0: Certainly the place, the beauty of the place, and the kindness of the people, and the fact that everything we do for fun is also really good for you, for your health. You know, you go out mountain biking and hiking and tennis and golf, and uh, the weather is fantastic. I love the dry air. I grew up in Philadelphia, so I'm not a big fan of humidity. Yeah. And, um, you know, for the little bad weather that we have here, and, you know, I really think that the only true thing that bugs me is uh, wildfire smoke that we get sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah, you don't understand humidity until you've lived on the East Coast. And people say, you say, oh, no, I'm used to hot weather. I'll be fine. And then you get there, okay, this is different.
0: 25% here is a humid day. You go back there, and when they talk about 80% humidity, there is no being a dry, you know, having a dry spot on your body
1: so i am here with uh mike scullion scully known to us as scully and we are talking about the radio station and his relationship with the station with the valley and with music we'll be right back in just a moment so stay with us this is Ellie Newman on It's Relationship, and I'm here with Mike Scullion, who is the mastermind of this oh. station, the mastermind and the backbone of KDPI. They're, they're true. <laughs> um, and I want to talk a little bit about radio. And I was thinking this morning a little more about it. And I was thinking, you know, what? what is radio's place in, in, in our uh, culture and society and the world? And I thought, you know, it's music. You know, they provide most of the day. It's information, it's communication, it's education, it's self-expression. It's also a connector. Yes. And um, I, I had read that the earliest radio stations were uh, just radio uh, telegraphy systems and didn't carry an audio. And then the first audio was in 1895 and the first broadcast in 1906. Did you listen to radio as, as a child? Was it a big part of, of your culture
0: you know it was always in the background ellie um you know back in those days when i was that small you know this is like the mid 1960s (laughs) late 60s and you you know am radio was still big fm radio was just uh coming around the corner and i had an older sister who of course you know was into the music and all of that stuff so I, i would always hear what she was doing and uh, you know, when she wasn't home, I would sneak into her room and listen to her stereo. And uh, that's kind of where I started to really enjoy music.
1: And what was she listening to?
0: She, oh, gosh, she was listening to I, W. I remember that W. F. I. L. And W. B. I. G. In Philadelphia. I always remember the names of those two stations. And as a little tot, thinking that there was a band coming on every time a new song came in, I thought it, there was another band in the studio
1: um and and was it casey Kasem? Is he, is he still around uh, well, i mean casey Kasem's top 40 i think
0: casey was probably uh he was in his market i don't know that they had syndicated syndicated things i wasn't listening to that but you know what we had in uh in philadelphia was um dick uh dick clark dick clark what was the name of the show i can't even think of the name of the show
1: Oh, Saturday. The, dance, Every Saturday. the dance show. Do, oh, we'll think of it yeah, before we'll, the it'll end come of the show. We'll to, I can visualize it.
0: Yeah. Um, if there's anybody out there, give us a call, 928-6205, and tell us the name of that darn show. Um, but that was a lot of fun, too. So I was you know, mainly listening to that stuff. And then, of course, when you get into high school, it was Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith and things like that.
1: And and were you mostly getting introduced to songs from radio, or was it albums then and word of mouth? And what was kind of you know now it's the internet, it's YouTube. Or yeah. What what was? Oh, the... it was
0: definitely the radio because albums cost money. In the you know they they were uh, I re- they were six or seven or eight dollars a piece. So, uh, you know, when I was in eighth grade or seventh grade, you know, there was no money for that kind of stuff, really, unless it was Christmas time. And that's what you got as a present. Um,
1: And when you're that age, you like that they play the same songs over and over and over Uh, and over.
0: Sure. Gosh, I remember buying the first ones and just listening to them constantly, thinking how much good, how good they were and how much fun they were. And David Bowie and gosh, there was all kinds of stuff back in those days.
1: And so with your radio show, what, what do you want the listener to get out of your show?
0: I would love for them just to listen to the music, even if it's something that they don't like at first, uh, it, it can grow on them because that happens to me fairly frequently where I'll hear something and I'm just kind of like, ah, that's not so good. You know, and then the second time it gets a little better. By the fifth time I've heard it, I'm kind of, I think, man, that's some good music right there and it's usually something I had never heard of before Um, and it can be a slow song it can be a rock and roll song it can be anything I mean you know back in when I went to college I did not like the Grateful Dead at all and having you know I was living with a Deadhead, of course so I was forced to listen to it whether I liked it or not and after a while it grew on me and I grew to appreciate what good musicians they were and how good the music was and Though I don't consider myself a deadhead now, I certainly enjoy the music.
1: And you told me a story about Pink Floyd. You wanted to punch the guy that <laughs> that introduced you to it.
0: The first two albums I ever bought were Aerosmith's "Toys in the Attic" and "Welcome to the Machine" by Pink Floyd. And the guy uh, on
1: a recommendation.
0: On a recommendation, he sold me. He said, "You have to listen to this. It's going to change your life." And I put it on and I remember hearing just the robotic sounds and the machine sounds of of Pink Floyd. And I thought, I'm going to kill that guy. And making do, me spend money do, on
1: that. Oh, so that was it. I wonder. When you tell the story. Like, why do you want to punch him? Was it that bad? It was like okay, it had been a waste of money. You could have, at that moment, what had you wished? What album had you wished you'd bought instead?
0: Oh, probably the Led Zeppelin album that had Stairway to Heaven on it or something uh, I, like I, that. I
1: almost picked that song for the show this morning. I saw it and I thought, I got a guy. I Stairway to Heaven, Willie. He? he might hit me. If I haven't I play heard it that. in a while. Yeah, I should have, should have brought read. it. It's a good. That's a seventh grade dance song.
0: And it is, and it's great. You know, one of the best things about music is reacquainting yourself with something you haven't heard in a long time. And I do that a lot on my show. I pick music that I haven't listened to in five or ten years, and it just brings it back.
1: And, and uh, did you and your sister have similar tastes in music once you started to sort of have your own No, choice? not
0: really. My sister, she, she was kind of into the pop stuff, and she. one thing I envy about her is that she took music lessons. She played the violin, and she played the piano. And I never did that. In my neighborhood, if you got caught going to music lessons, you went black and blue.
1: So, so would you have liked to if, if you weren't going to be labeled a sissy and get beaten up on your yeah, way probably. home and, <laughs> and back?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I, I would definitely love to have learned how to play an instrument, but I enjoy writing now. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nothing that I regret so badly that I want to rectify it. You know, it's, uh, I just enjoy listening to the music. You are, know?
1: are your parents musical?
0: My mom liked to sing, but they weren't musical. They didn't play any instruments. I just, you know, my father owned a little bar, in a working class neighborhood in Philadelphia, and the one thing we had in the bar was a stand up piano. And anybody who knew how to play the piano, there was always somebody on Friday or Saturday night who knew how to play the piano in there. And that's kind of what I would go to sleep by.
1: And and so it it, was it a constant when you were in the bar.
0: It was a constant, sure.
1: And did it feel so? Is that home? Is that home when there's the people bar? around in mean, the bar? <laughs> <Sometimes>. <laughs> the music element of the bar is what I was getting at. But yeah, you know, it might be the bar as well. We had music.
0: But the, it is. the music
1: element of it, if you're a kid and you're going to sleep and you're hearing those sounds of, you know, joviality and. And uh, social interaction Bond. and bonding and fun and connections. I'll tell you, um, if
0: I'm in a bar or a you know a restaurant bar and there isn't music playing, I'm kind of I, I feel like something's off. Something's wrong and, with this place. You know, I gravitate towards places that have good music playing.
1: Did you want to be in a band? You know, when you were in your teens and you're listening to these, right. buying these albums and listening to these. Uh, musicians
0: that's a good question i think i i I was probably too far into uh, sports by then by the time i could consciously make my own decisions uh you know it's always if i knew then what i know now kind of a thing
1: well and was there a division in that era where you know either you were a jock or you were a you know long hair hippie music guy rock
0: yes yeah, there was. I mean, the, you know, when you were an athlete, you, you know, there were the jocks and then there were the kids in the band. And, um, you know, if I, I thought back about it now, I mean, and I would never love Never the two shall yeah, meet, right? It's just a different, you know, you're hanging out with different people and yeah. you, you have these likes and these, not dislikes, but differences. And I think you gravitate toward the people who have the same interests of you, of course. And
1: were you aware of what the music scene was like then in Philadelphia?
0: Not as much as I would like to have been. I mean, Philadelphia is a fantastic music city, and uh, there are all kinds, you know, from the doo-wop singers standing around a burning trash can, you know, a trash can that's got wood inside it, and if you remember that scene in Rocky, um, to the Motown guys. And the, Oh, yeah, you know, not, it was a hotbed. Motown, of course, was Detroit, but there, Philadelphia had its own thing, and, and Dick... Uh, you know, that show the Oh American, Band American Bandstand. American uh, Bandstand. that was very instrumental. I mean, a lot of musicians were tuned into that show and, and that kind of music was coming out of Philadelphia left and right. Yeah.
1: Did you think about going on American Bandstand We you had gotten a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little
0: bit of a little bit of a little bit it, a yeah. uh, cool. Yeah.
1: And um, a little a young a you in Los Angeles. And you yeah. were involved in the music scene there. What was that like?
0: Well, I wasn't so uh, so much involved in it as, it as it existed, and music was now very much a part of my life. And Los Angeles, of course, has umpteen thousand venues.
1: I think if you're spending your evenings at the Whiskey, you're involved. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, uh, you know, I just happened to, I, I played basketball with a guy who was also a drummer, so we got to be good friends, and, you know, through him, I got to be exposed to all of these different musicians in Los Angeles, and none of them big names, you know, we're talking about guys who play in the corner bar and things like that, but just good people to be connected to.
1: And, and had you found a type of music that you sort of identified with at that point, or were you into everything? I mean, there was, there was punk and rockabilly and rock and alternative rock and was there something that you were drawn to specifically or Boy, just... Ellie,
0: you know i think if you throw all those things into the singular rock genre that would be it but i mean it didn't matter what kind of rock and roll it was did, but,
1: did you have a pomp were you were you moving to the stray cats or were no you more of dead no I never, got, kind of guy? I never
0: got that far i had to, i was working for the wall street journal so i was mr straight guy you know, and, I, and
1: and it, it, the leather didn't come out at night? It was it?
0: Yeah, sure it did. A but little not, bit. not leather pants. Yeah. Let's, let's make the that ja- clear. Okay, the jacket. The leather jacket. But that was uh, also a Philadelphia thing.
1: And I was, you know, music is the one thing I was thinking about that sort of, it's been around since the beginning of time. Sure. You know, the cavemen were making it. The yeah. first instruments were the bone flute. Um and a different kind of bone flute this is radio um it's you guys can google it wikipedia there's a picture um and, uh, you know, the cavemen were making instruments along with tools, and they were playing music. And it's the one thing that's sort of prolific in every culture throughout history and, and in the world right now. It's something that is individual to the particular region and culture, and yet it's also something that easily is across all borders.
0: Absolutely. I and
1: mean, and it's, it's sort of the one thing, you know. It's
0: such an emotional uh, pull. I mean, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel sad. It makes you feel angry some of it um but for all intents and purposes it it's connected to your emotions and um, there are certainly books out there that try to address that and there is gosh i should have researched this there's a doctor that i read about he wrote a book that's all about
1: using music what music makes you feel oh yeah i mean you've got the you know baby mozart that everybody was playing for the kids because that was going to make synapses fire more quickly for kids and you've got you know people doing you know learning to music and then playing music state-dependent learning with music and you know they've shown the the different types of music have different um connections made in the brain and and different moods and different um, adrenaline and chemicals released in the body
0: and just seeing how connected an artist is to their music how passionately they perform i yeah. mean that that pulls at me you the, know, the, just,
1: the expression i was yeah. just wondering if you ever want to be in a band because there's that other element the other than the listener and the observer but the, the
0: yeah creator. i mean uh, i think there's always that thing way in the back of my mind that said yeah that would be great to be in a band but i'm a pretty shy guy and probably why i'm on the radio and uh it's something I think that anybody who appreciates music certainly would like to give a shot.
1: So I recently heard someone say there's only two kinds of music, good music and bad music. Do you agree? Or <laughs> there, are there many kinds and some are preferable to others?
0: You know, I think for me, music is definitely connected to mood. Uh, if I'm feeling good, good music makes me feel better. If I'm feeling sad, sad music makes me feel sadder. Uh but I don't, you know, good music and bad music is is left to the individual. I think it's kind of like having a wine palate. You know, you either like it or you don't like it. And there's some good country songs. Yeah, there's some, some in sometimes, the way sometimes you grow songs. to like it. That's the other. Yeah. That that was the other music that was kind of like the Grateful Dead for me. I did not like country music one bit. Uh, but the more I listen to it now, and the the p- artists that are out there performing country music, I like it, and it's fun. And it, and it makes you feel good.
1: And line dancing can, can be a good time. There you go. It meet the women.
0: That's another whole thing.
1: This is Ellie Newman. I'm here on It's Relationship with Mike Scullion. We're going to be back in just a moment and talk about uh, the role music plays in his life. So stay with us. We're back on It's Relationship. This is Ellie Newman. I'm here with Mike Scullion. We are talking about KDPI and music and community radio and and uh, good concerts. Um I was going to ask you, Mike, what instrument would you play if you did play an instrument?
0: Boy, Ellie, I think it might have to be.
1: uh, I'm kind of thinking drums. Is it drums? No. It's
0: not drums. You know, drums, yes, but I don't know. Boy, having to have four limbs that are doing different things all at the same time, I don't know if I have that kind of uh, coordination. Although I think any instrument, you need coordination like that. Um, You
1: need to practice.
0: Yeah. I always, my two favorite instruments. I think would are the uh, Hammond organ and either the steel steel guitar. Or, or like a bass saxophone, something like that. Ah. I always uh, envision myself.
1: Now, see, I that. played some jazz the other day, and you were kind of gave me a sideways glance. Like, yeah. what's, what's this you're
0: playing? I <laughs> might just have been the time. Okay, of maybe day. Or, 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 the or the song my or it the major mood. mood.
1: So, sorry, I was going to ask: is, is listening to music for you? Is it a private or a social experience? Or it's-,
0: it's both. You know, it all. It's it depends on who you're with, and it depends on where you are. And it depends on if the sun is out. It depends on if you're in the mountains or at the beach or at the bar or the restaurant. Um, you know, music is just one of those things that can either be in the background or it can be the central thing that's happening. So it
1: kind of plays different roles in your life at sure. different times. Yeah, absolutely. And, and how about with your relationships? I mean, if um, romantic or otherwise, if, if someone you're with, you know, you play a great song and they just don't get it. Are, are That's they a tell. Out? That's are a big tell.
0: Yeah, sure. That's like wiping your forehead in a card game. You know, there's. Yeah. A, uh, and again, it depends on the song. You know, there's certainly uh, some music or some artists. You know, if it's one of those artists that I just can't handle, it's just kind of like. I can't. I don't think this is going to work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I
1: can't sit in the car with you while you're playing that <laughs> exactly.
0: rap. I'm going to have to put the headphones on.
1: And, and do you feel like music has played a constant role in your life? It, it's been consistent, but has it been the same sort of role, or has that changed?
0: Well, it's certainly changed now that I have a ra- that we have a radio station to promote and to, to be involved with. Um, music is always – it's one of the best things about music is that it can be a background thing, and you can multitask. I mean, if you want to go out and mow the lawn, you put the headphones on and go out and mow the lawn. Mowing the lawn becomes a much easier task for me if I have music going on in my head.
1: It's inspiring. Absolutely. And also soothing, right? Because you take, you mentioned before, you take a nap. (laughs) You got to put on the good napping music. Sure.
0: Yeah, without a doubt.
1: And is there a soundtrack that kind of goes with your history when you think back on, on your childhood and then your teenage years and your young adult? Do you have a soundtrack that goes with it?
0: Well, yeah. You know, when I was in high school, it was definitely rock and roll. Like I said, Aerosmith, Led Zeppelin, that kind of thing. And then I went away to a little tiny Catholic college in the middle of nowhere, Maryland. Emmitsburg, Maryland, actually. It's called Mount St. Mary's College. And, uh, you know, I was exposed to Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young and um, just softer rock and roll.
1: Were the nuns okay with with you guys listening to music? It wasn't the work of the devil?
0: Well, at the college, it was the priests. Okay, uh, college. um, Yeah, well, they had no control over a bunch of college kids. You know, know, we'll listen to whatever we want. You won't tell us anything. That never changes, I don't think, (laughs) at that age. Um, But going to concerts, you know, like I said, the Grateful Dead, that's when I went to my first Grateful Dead concert, and it was was an eye-opening and ear-opening experience, and and you – I think a big part of my growing to like that band was the fact that I saw them live and got to appreciate what they did on stage. So it
1: definitely seems like music for you. It's a, it's a growth opportunity, right? It's a a a, a chance for expansion,
0: absolutely, and
1: for um, comfort and a, almost all the emotions, I think right? So. It's going to soothe you to sleep. It's going to expand you awareness. It's going to You know, rock you out and make you dance. Most
0: definitely. Most definitely. And one of the things I'm really looking forward to with the radio, with the station, with KDPI, is musicians coming in and playing on the air and and just being able to be in this kind of an intimate atmosphere.
1: And so is is live music preferable to you? you? Are you a concert guy? Do you remember what your first concert was?
0: My first concert was, I think, Yes in the Round or Rick Derringer at the tower theater in philadelphia it was one of those two and they were two very different venues and two very different shows rick derringer was a kind of a headbanger rock and roller and
1: uh and were you just like this is awesome i was
0: wrapped you know and of course you're there with eight of your friends and they're off doing whatever they're doing but i was glued to my spot and just in awe of the musicians
1: So I want to talk about a little bit then community radio. So one thing we've kind of covered is an advantage of this community radio is you can introduce new musicians Uh, in the area, give them a platform, an opportunity to be heard and to to perform with with the music. And that's something you said was sort of your ideal vision, to get people even in here playing and people dropping in. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think it's harder for new musicians these days or just different? You know, we have all the uh, modern technology and social media. You've got YouTube. Before you had to get played on a station um, and many stations to sort of make it. Yeah. Is, is that different now?
0: Absolutely. You know, you, you know recordings were uh, and record companies were the way you got your music out there. And now it seems to be much more the YouTube thing where you're recording your video or your song can go viral. And if it catches on with in the right way. It doesn't matter what anybody else does because the people who like it, like it, and they're going to send it to their friends, and they're going to send it to the people they like and say, you need to hear this, and that's, you know, just... So,
1: is that a good thing? I mean, you're an aficionado. You're an expert. Is that is that better?
0: Well, I, you know, I don't know if you're calling me an aficionado or an expert. I am. If you're just saying that about people in general who like music... No, no. I... I I will listen to anything that someone says you should listen to this.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, it's opened the field.
0: Yeah, and especially if I trust them. If there yeah. has been something in the past where they said you need to listen, and I listen, and I really like it, uh, your friends and your family know what makes you tick. And, you know, when they recommend something, it's you'd be silly not to listen and, to and it. And so is
1: that still an important role for community radio to play?
0: Without a doubt. I, I think the... Harder it is to hear it any other place, the better it is for community radio. And, and
1: maybe YouTube the is the new pirate radio station, right? In a I sense. mean, in a sense, that's where people can go under the radar, just start playing something, start getting heard, and and it can go viral.
0: Right. I mean, if you if you search indie music, you know you're gonna have thousands and thousands of hits, and it's going to be up to you to figure out which ones you want to sit and pay attention to for a few minutes.
1: So we talked a little bit about community radio and and public radio and how it's, it's the difference with commercial radio and the sort of the third model of radio broadcasting. Um, and its goal is to produce content that is more connected with the community. It's owned and operated by the community. It's influenced by the communities it serves. They're, they're generally nonprofit, and they – provide a mechanism for enabling individuals and groups and communities to tell their own stories and share their experiences in in this really media-rich world. You know, they can participate easily and it's connected. What what are the goals that you see for KDPI in this community? Why is it important?
0: Well, I think it's important because, you know, we do have uh, our NPR stations out of uh, Boise State University. And... NPR is a wonderful wonderful thing and it's we don't see that as competition you know we're more complementary i think when you have community radio and NPR radio in the same comu- in the same market because they talk a lot about national and international affairs and they have their own brand of music they've got lots of different music shows on certain stations of NPR the community radio is directed toward the community itself. You know, we're about 90% local and 10% national. We do the free speech radio news on Monday through Friday at 6.
1: And I think those are important things to sort of look at separately and then know they go together because for news now in our culture, I, I know when I was a kid, we listened to Walter Cronkite, and if he said something, we thought, "Okay, like Walter just told us that it's I, it's true." I trust. That we guy. trust it, and we're getting the news. We're not getting a slant. We're not getting a bias. We're not getting a take. I'd heard something about people that watch Fox News, one of those stations that they actually are less educated and and knowledgeable about what's actually going on than people who don't watch any news at all, and right. so you know NPR to me now is that trusted. Um,
0: objective
1: Objective option I mean there's a little bit of a slant I'm sure people are like Oh it's a liberal rag But but it's it's a little less biased You feel like you're getting information
0: I think you're right You know in Ellie, there's You know it's both sides of the fence uh, You know for I had a guest who Absolutely had to watch MSNBC uh, Every night And I watched You know and I thought well, well you know I can watch some of that That's not You know as far left but I saw shows that were just as far left as Fox News is right. And mm, yes. And what I, what I hope to you accomplish. You can pick your slant. Yeah. And, and I think picking a slant is silly because you're getting biased opinions and biased reports on whatever they're talking about. What I would like to accomplish with KDPI is to have an objective station. You know, I mean, let's give people, let's give the people in this community the facts about things and let them make their own decision. Let them come to their own conclusion and let them vote and if you know and let the chips fall where they may if you're on the losing side then hey everybody else thought that the facts they heard made more sense for the other side
1: which i think in a small community is extremely important because you do i mean i always think of this place a little bit like high school you know when you have the different cliques and you have the different people that have an opinion that's this and an opinion that that and whenever there's something happening in the community that needs to be voted on or decided on or take a direction it really is challenging to find out what is really going on you know it's it's like atkinsons is is you know where you get all your news and sure. and it's it's uh, jaded
0: yeah yeah and i mean if I have friends who don't think the same way that I think of on an issue, I don't think any less of them mm-hmm. because the, the I like them or I respect them because of what's in their heart, you know, and and what makes them good people.
1: And, and so, is it part of the the purpose and the value of KDPi? Is it is it operating as a voice for the community?
0: Without a doubt, that's the biggest uh, biggest statement you could make about community radio, and it's a platform. For people, especially for the 501c3s here in the Valley. I mean, we won't charge them anything to come in and talk about events that they're going to have, you know, that, that help their cause. And they can come in and talk about whatever their cause is.
1: So it's not only a voice, but a tool. Absolutely. Because people can come in, they can use it for to benefit the, the, community. the community as a whole.
0: Right. And, uh, as you know, community outreach as well. We can... Uh, people who are second homeowners of which there are many in this wood in the wood river valley if they have and their family and friends you know can stay in touch with what's happening in this community but if they're a second homeowner and they have you know things that they're concerned about that are happening in the community they can listen in we stream online one of the other benefits of computer the computer world as it exists We stream on the Internet, and we can be found at kdpifm.org, and there's a Listen Live button right there on the right-hand side of the home page. So if you live in San Francisco, but you come here for the summer for two months or whatever it happens to be, or you live in Seattle and you go back and forth, you can always find out what's happening in the community just by listening to the community radio station.
1: Because you really are serving two communities. I hadn't we really thought about that. We've got the locals and people that are here full time, and the people that are here half time, and then you have the visitors, which is a huge part of our industry and our livelihood here, and and what we're about.
0: We want them to know what's happening in the community as well, you know, and it, even if it's only just the enter for entertainment value.
1: And and to participate, I mean, is it gonna? Can they drop in sure. as well? Sure,
0: anybody and, can drop and, in and, and see involved. what's happening at the station.
1: And I know you modeled it. Somewhat, or you were inspired by a community public radio station that you really loved. Um, was that back in Philadelphia? That
0: was. It's called WXPN in Philadelphia. And uh, I consider it that when I tell people, as a matter of fact, we, uh, Sally Betcher over at the Sun Valley Center for the Arts I was chatting with not long ago, and she went to school at Penn, and she brought up WXPN in the meeting, and I almost jumped out of my chair because somebody knew what it was. And, and I loved like, it. Yes, and loved it. And I liken KDPI to WXPN, but I say it's about one one thousandth of the size.
1: And so likened in what way? What was it about that station that you would hope that KDPI would would be in model after?
0: Well, the variety of programming for one thing. You know, they're mostly music in the daytime, uh, but in the evening they have a variety of different shows. Everything from kids shows to community awareness shows to political uh round table talks um of course philadelphia is a very big city so there's any number of uh things going on at any given time so it's a it's an awareness and the the people that listen to community radio tend to be fairly well educated and and they call in and they ask interesting questions and they they want interesting answers they want Informed answers about what's happening. And that's what I would love to be able to do for our community. We've got, we're not short on intellectual stimulation in this valley and intellectual people. And uh, nothing would make me happier than to hear from some of them and saying, we need to talk about this. And I'll say, well, get your backside in here and we will.
1: So, because so, I'm kind of getting at, yeah, like what is it that's the most appealing aspects to you? And I'm hearing a little bit that it's the, Uh, integrating the elements of the community, what's going on in the community, and really having it be a collaborative effort.
0: Sure, and I mean, you know, the first first thing that showed up that indicated that to me were people like you who wanted to host a show, and you came in, and I'm just trying to sponge up the intellect off of the people that walk through the door here at KDP.
1: Well and it's it's interesting because I had I've never been in a radio station. Someone's saying, Oh, do you listen to a lot of of talk radio? And I was like, No, I don't think so. But then when I thought about it, I thought, but when I listen to it, I love it. You know, every time I listen to click and clack, you know, the car talk guys, yeah. I'm laughing. You know, I love listening to Wait, wait, don't tell me. <laughs> I, I love listening to all these shows and I hadn't even really Noticed or known that I had until I kind of sat a minute and thought, yeah, even in this media-rich, you know, technology world, I it's great. And so I've been trying to figure out what and, and having the show. The people I've interviewed so far, the the best part of it for me has been one sort of what you said about researching. You know, you have to learn more about what you're going to talk about, but then meeting these people and really getting to understand them and know them in a very different and much deeper way. And we live in such a rich, rich community of doubt. talents right. and intellect and
0: passion. Unquestionably it, it's really, unquestionably. it's, it's unquestionably.
1: incredible. Like it just makes me smile every time I think about it. And, and you,
0: the people, and you meet them. You would not, maybe otherwise, have met these folks. No, and you, said, even
1: if you've met them, you're not having those conversations. Right. The depth of that. You're not digging to that next level, which is where all the richness lies and
0: the interest. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I, I don't know if you've noticed yourself, like how, how nervous you were at the very beginning oh to do gosh. your first show, and now how comfortable you are. You uh, look very much I, at home.
1: It's This is show, I think, 10, 8 or 10, <laughs> and I'm a lot better. I was a wreck. But yeah. that also being a wreck, that part, like I said before, it was so exciting. I felt more alive than I had in 10 years. I remember the first time I sat in this chair – and I, 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 they said, okay, you're on the air. And, I, and we were testing. So no one was right. listening. <laughs> Completely panicked, freaked out. I did everything wrong. I, I didn't turn the right buttons. I right. had dead airspace. I got in the car to go pick up my kids. And I was just, this is the most alive and happy I've felt. Since I can remember.
0: And, it, and when you look back on it, doesn't it seem like such a small step to have taken?
1: Oh, it still it still seems yes and no. Big <laughs> and scary, but tiny. Yeah, now when I'm pushing the buttons and I'm looking, oh, there's the mic, there's the computer, there's the songs. Yeah, yeah it's, it's nothing. And it's nothing. It was e- an easy hurdle to get over um, and, and really fun.
0: And when you're out and about, you're out and out, you're out at the grocery store and you're shopping and you're bumping into a friend who says... Oh my God! I heard the show the other yeah. day. It was yeah. so it was so nice to hear you. Yeah,
1: and someone starts telling me something. I'm like, you got to come on the show. We yeah. want to talk about that. We want to hear about that. And I have other people that I've had on the show, and they said, Oh, I listen to your show. You know, with Rebecca Rush, and I keep thinking every day about what she said about handling fear and dealing with fear and yeah. not letting it stop you. It's it's very very fulfilling. Good, challenging, uh, boy, exciting. I'll tell and you fulfilling. that makes
0: me that that fulfills me in having started this, just hearing you say that.
1: So the different ways, Yeah, I remember I kept like hugging your mic. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. Um, how, how can, what are the different ways that people can get involved? They can have a show, a music show or a talk show. Sure. How else can people they participate? Can a, they
0: can do their own show or they can sponsor a show. If you have a business out there and you'd like to sponsor a, a radio show, we've got uh, probably 15 to 18 shows right now, but we've got room for easily that many more um if you have a local business you can you know you can sponsor a show and we'll mention your business every time that shows on you know on more than a couple of occasions and there's different ways
1: so the same way that you'd hear on npr and it's not you know technically advertising but it is advertising it
0: is what what we're limited to is we cannot make a call to action so we can talk about your location we can talk about what the business is we just can't say you have to go there or they're having a sale or something of that nature. So, I mean, it's very similar to the, the uh, sponsorships and the underwriting you hear on NPR because they're listener-supported as well.
1: And I know there's tons of work, too, and if people like to be behind the scenes, um, to do here. Absolutely. You know, and, and we for can volunteers. use so many skills. We need computer skills. We need office skills, sure. Fundraising skills.
0: We need uh, a butt in the chair skill. You know, <laughs> if you want to come good. in and just sit in the office it's and an accept visitors, yeah. uh, you can. A greeter. You can, you can do your work. It's, it's You're a, greeter a real a job at Walmart. You can sit at the desk and you can do your work on your computer. We do have our Wi-Fi here, and you know we're fully integrated that way. Um, but if you want to volunteer at the station, all you have, you know, give us a call or stop in, drop in. At 620 North Main in Ketchum. and Ketchum. And, uh, and
1: you get a whole new community as well. That's another piece of the puzzle that I've certainly gotten and appreciate. I've got a whole new group of friends and and uh, collaborators. Excellent. It's good. Yes. Okay, so we've got about 30 seconds. I want to know what's your vision, your dream, your ideal for this station in, in say, two to five years? What does it look like?
0: I, I want this to be the place that people in the community come to to either talk about something really important or make themselves aware of something that's really important to the community uh, and to make other people aware of what's important to the community.
1: And you want to, I know you mentioned at one point, you want to have a space for, a performance space for people to come. Oh, and, that's
0: the big dream. No, I want the big dream. I <laughs> want
1: the whole enchilada. You're giving me just uh, the,
0: the yeah, watered down dream. I'm the, asking the the you for the dream whole enchilada. Would be to probably have a space about four or 5,000 square feet and uh split into one third would be the radio station with a glass wall that looks out on a performance space for musicians and uh, even readings, poetry readings, poetry slams, things like that. Some place where the community can get together and uh, perform.
1: yeah, perform, communicate,
0: yeah. interact exactly.
1: It sounds pretty good to me. Okay, well, this is Ellie Newman and it's relationship. Thank you very much, Mike, for trading chairs My and allowing pleasure, me to Ellie. sit in yours. This is KDPi 89.3 FM Ketchum.
0: Until I see y'all again. 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 Lately, more than ever, I have missed community. But my love for most of y'all is individuals. So maybe I missed the potential of one. The ultimate squad unity. Usually, I don't fool to be someone I'm not.